among other things, but that was chief, the Word of the living God. And so what we're teaching today has to come from the Word of God, because if it doesn't come from there, wrap the place up, turn this place into a bakery, and let's go home. But if it's in the Word of God, then we better do something about it. And if you're sitting in this church, God bless you, you have the opportunity, you have the, the privilege, you have the encouragement to come on into the fullness of the Spirit-filled life. Again, being filled with the Spirit is not graduating as a senior. It's enrolling as a freshman. Like marriage, that's not the end of all things. That's the beginning of many new things. And your walk with God after you're filled is as essential as being filled. And going on with God after you're filled is as essential as being filled. Because they are hand and glove together. Now, we want to proceed to see what the Word of God says. And uh, I guess they've given me a couple of helps here. The spirit-filled life is essential for the Christian life. And so we press on from that. A little bit of review from last week. Please and thank you. Uh, Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. Go right along with it. Please and thank you. I have my little laser pointer today. And we have evidences of the new birth of Paul. He calls Christ Lord. And at the risk of his career, his life, his possessions, and possibly his marriage, he calls Christ Lord on the way to Damascus. And in just after three days, he'll be preaching with plots made on his life. The first word of the Christian life is Lord. This brings us into a great sonship, daughter, relationship with our Father in heaven. It's normal. It's required by the Lord. He loves us. He wants to show himself to be our Father. And you come to be a son, daughter of the living God when we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm available for service. It's evidence of the conversion of Paul. Go into Damascus, the place you don't want to go to because you're supposed to come in like a roaring lion. Instead, you're going to come in like a lamb. But he says, I'm on my way. Obedience. Christ's word to Ananias was, he is a chosen vessel to me. Now will be, now shall be, is right now. Ananias goes in and calls him Brother Saul. As soon as Paul was converted the road to Damascus, the Holy Ghost comes into him because every child of God has a spirit. Every child of God has a spirit. Every child of God is born of the spirit. Not every child of God is born full of the spirit. A few are, like Cornelius, and we'll touch on that in a bit. But the vast majority of people are, when converted, have the Spirit of God in them. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Three days later, Ananias comes to Paul, lays hands on him, number one, that he might receive his sight, Acts 9, 17, and number two, that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Question, how did Ananias know when to go home? Well, can you see, Paul? Yes. How many fingers I got up? Four. How many got fingers? Two. Good. His eyesight's back. How did he know when to go home that he was filled? Did Paul say, gee, I don't know, and I said, it's been a week now, been two months now, and he's saying, my wife is going to wonder where I am, so you better let me know when you're filled, because I got sent by the Lord Jesus that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Spirit. Well, I'd like to know, but don't know yet, and I said, been half a year, Paul. My wife is calling and she really wants to know when I'm going to come home. Now, I'm playing games with that, am I not? Paul knew he was restored to sight. Paul also knew by the witness of the Spirit that he'd been filled. And the same Spirit that tells you that you're saved with a witness is the same Spirit that tells you that you're filled. The Holy Ghost does not get laryngitis when it comes to telling you you've been filled with the Spirit of God. All right? So much for that one. Now, uh, See, what am I up to? I'm up to the next sermon. Imagine that. Okay. Now, I want you to take your Bibles, the precious Word of God, and turn to Acts, Roman, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8. 
Now, Saul was consenting to his death. That's Stephen's death. He was stoned and the first Christian martyr. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They stayed in Jerusalem. Not quite sure why they did, but they stayed there at risk. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc. He, the, the Greek word is he savaged the church. Ravaged and savaged. A merciless uh, persecutor. But he was doing it to, to bring glory to God. In his sincerity, he was bringing glory to God to wipe out this, this abominable sect that was calling Jesus God. And this was too much for any pure-blooded Jew to take who was a pure monotheist. And so his job was waste them. So that's his goal in life. And he savaged the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Hmm, interesting way to start churches, isn't it? Notice what God did. He dropped the hammer on the Jerusalem church, and they went everywhere in a church-planting movement sponsored by persecution. Only God can do a thing like that. Only God's in charge of stuff like that. And they went everywhere saying, pray for us, we've been smashed. The thing that blows me away is they went everywhere teaching the good news. The good news is we've been thrown out of our house. Our kids have been taken away. My wife was killed. But I got some good news for you. Jesus died for you and loves you. Now, can you imagine the contrast of preaching around Samaria and Judea after you've been wiped out in a persecution? And they still went out keeping their focus on what was first and what was eternal. Amazing. 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 I'd be living to the Salvation Army looking for a handout and a place to stay. And please, I need a counselor. And there's nothing wrong with that. All I'm pointing out is that an amazing resiliency of the believer at that time is that he gets up, who knows what he's lost, and as they went, they remembered, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and they started a church plant sponsored by a persecution that may have wiped them out. Hello. Then Philip. Ah, Philip, here we go. Philip means lover of horses, by the way. All right. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Just a little background, a little background. You know, the Jews and the Samaritans have no dealings with each other, and they hated each other. And so that had been going on for uh, centuries because uh, the northern kingdom uh, was taken over by the Assyrians, and they captured the capital called uh, Samaria. Uh, the southern kingdom was taken over by the Babylon, by Babylonians, and uh, they all went off in exile. But as according to the kings of Assyria, when they conquered a people, they take away a lot of the population. Then they transplant foreign Gentile populations into the home area of Samaria and hope that they will, and they did, intermarry and break down their national pride, break down a sense of belongingness, break down any chance of revolt. And that's how they did it. One way they did it. The southern kingdom, it's all Jewish, the southern kingdom went into, into uh, uh, captivity, but they determined they would not lose their Jewishness. They were not going to be melted away in Babylon, and they retained their Jewishness. They returned to build the walls in the city with Nehemiah. The northern kingdom had left a residue of Jews who had intermarried, and they'd always stayed there. Nehemiah goes back, and he wants to build Jerusalem again, and guess what? Up north, their brothers, quote, came down and said, can we help you? And they said, heavens to Betsy, absolutely not. 
You think we're going to have you build a holy city when you've been to marry with every Tom, Dick, and Harry Gentile out there and, and spuriously thrown away your Jewishness? Absolutely not. Go. No way, Jose. They were horribly offended. Yes, they had been defiled by this. And so from that point on, the Jews and the Samaritans were wah, 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 wah. And that's how it was for centuries up to the time of Jesus. So when Jesus sits down beside the well in Samaria, he talks to a woman, no less. She is absolutely dumbfounded that it ever should happen because of the centuries old, six, seven, eight centuries of horrible conflict. End of case. Now, Philip goes to Samaria. Hold your breath. The fight is still there. The discrimination is still on. Nobody likes Jews. Jews don't like Samaritans. Samaritans don't like Jews. We don't like you. Out of my face. Go. Never darken my guest towels again. Okay. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. If you don't think that's a change in the light of historical perspective, if you don't think the gospel did something for Philip and the rest of these men, Philip, a spiritual man, we got a change going on. You're saying about the revolution. This is the change going on by a spiritual man, by the pouring out of the Holy Ghost, breaking down discrimination and hatred seven centuries old, at least six centuries old. Incredible. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. And there was, I believe we'll let Simon, he can go by the side. I don't want to care about Simon. He's a side, side issue. Uh, he tried to fake it out, and he got dealt with. And then uh, we come to verse 12. As they continue, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now, to begin with then, let's see that there's nothing defective in Philip's message. Samaritans are going to enter the spirit-filled life, and Christ was preached to them. Philip went down and preached Christ to them. They may have been as surprised as Philip was to be there. The Samaritans might have said, we got a Jewish preacher. What in the world would bring him up here? And Philip may have said to himself, what am I doing here? I'm a Jew, they're Samaritans. But in his heart, he knew why. The Samaritans wouldn't know why. This is a big, big deal going on. He goes down and he preaches Christ to them. Now, there's nothing wrong in Philip's message. He used the two standard words for preaching in the New Testament, which is karugama and euangelizomai. One means to evangelize. We get evangelism from Galizmai, And Karugama means to pronounce and declare like a king's herald. So he gives them the trumpet blast of the gospel. He tells them the good news that their sins can be forgiven in the Messiah who has come. Because the Samaritans look for Messiah to come too. But they are skewed in their teaching at different points. But they did look for Messiah. That's why the Samaritan woman said, Did we know when Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. And he says, I who am talking to you am he, by the way, our Lord Jesus gave the clearest, soonest, purest revelation of who he was to a woman who had been married six times. Maybe a harlot. Who knows? But he saw her heart, and he gave her the jewel of revelation as to who he was. Even more so almost did his own, than he did to his own disciples at that time. That's how open her heart was. And when God finds an open heart, he doesn't care who you are, what you are, how much education you've had or not had. He will manifest himself unto you. Not head first, 
heart first. All right? So there's nothing wrong with Paul's, with Philip's preaching. He, he, he uh, you on Galizomite, he evangelized them with all the gospel truth of being uh, into the family of God. Repent and believe. Come on in. God loves you. Christ died for you. And he preached the kingdom of God because they, there is a kingdom. And with every kingdom comes a king. And they believed the Lord Jesus and, as king as they came into the kingdom of God. Nothing wrong with Philip's message. Fully understood it. Thirdly, Thank God, 8.12 of Acts, you read that when they heard him preaching the kingdom of God, which means they get a new king as well as a new kingdom, and the name of Jesus Christ, that great name, which is above others and above all others, they believed and were baptized. They were committed to him and did so. So there's nothing wrong with the gospel, nothing deficient. Nothing, Philip makes it clear. Their commitment is real. Go back one, please. Thank you. All right. Catch me up here. I didn't quite finish that one. Thank you. All right. There we go. They were baptized. Now, you have believed in Christ. Then you should be baptized. In the New Testament, saving faith is followed by baptism. And if you love the Lord Jesus, and we don't have quite the convenience of those days, warm climate, go down to the river, baptize and so forth. But baptism is an outward expression of an internal commitment. A wedding ring is an external expression of an interior commitment. And so if you haven't been baptized, do not be dilatory about it. Don't put it off somewhere. You check with the elders and say, when's the next baptismal service? I love the Lord. I've been baptized. And I want to commit outwardly in the form that the Lord Jesus gave us that I am his person. I am his disciple. I want to follow him. So there's nothing, though, nothing ret uh, retaining them from going on with God. All they know to do, they're doing, and they were baptized. So, all right, that being the case, they had, since they repented and believed, been given the Spirit of God in them. The Spirit of God is in every child of God who believes in Him. Now, that being the case, let's look at Scripture again. Now, I should point out, too, they had Philip as a spiritual preacher. Nothing wrong with the preacher's understanding. Philip was one of the seven chosen in Acts 6. Look out among you, seven men, filled with the Spirit, who, to whom we may give this responsibility of waiting on tables and taking care of the ladies and the widows and the orphans and making sure everybody gets a square meal here. We apostles have other things to do, which God has called us to do. You men take up this important work and free us to do the work God has given to us. And so Philip came out of that background. Philip was a man filled with the Spirit himself, chosen as an identifiable, spirit-filled man who could do the job. Now, God's going to take him from serving tables and helping people with a meal into a higher plane as an evangelist. Philip is the only man in the New Testament called an evangelist. So if you want to study evangelism, you can see what he does. He's the only man called that. Others do evangelizing. He was given that office. So they were baptized, thank the Lord. And he had a spirit-filled preacher. There's nothing deficient in his experience to bring this truth home to them. There's nothing deader. There is nothing deader than a person not filled with the Spirit preaching on how to be filled with the Spirit. Think on it. Okay. Now, this is a live one. This is a live one. So what do we see? Look at our Bibles again. Now, when the apostles, verse 14, Acts 8. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem 
heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they said, whoa, what did you say? Are you sure of that report? That was Tom Brokaw on the news. Is that what he said? Are you sure? Call the UP up and ask them. United Press, is this true? It is true. When they, the apostles who were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, so we got to check it out. Not all bad. They sent two of their best men. They sent Peter and John to them. Who, when they had come down to Samaria, because you come down from Jerusalem, down to Samaria, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, wait a minute. I thought they were saved. They are. I thought they had the Spirit in them. Romans 8, 15 and 16. John 5, 1 John 5, 10. Galatians 4, 4 through 6. All true. All true. But when they came down, had come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen, epi, upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Didn't they receive the Holy Spirit when they were saved? Absolutely. Then what's this? Receive the Holy Spirit in his fullness. He came epi upon them. God is in you when you're converted before God comes on you to fill you. Epi is a Greek word. It means to come upon. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. The Spirit of God is in us. But throughout this message that I'm sharing, you will understand and see biblically that it's possible and wonderful to have Christ in you and the Spirit of God in you. And nine times out of ten, biblically, he's in you before he comes epi upon you. Every child of God has the Spirit of God in him. Every child of God should have the Spirit of God come upon him to fill him with the Holy Spirit. This is normal. This is natural. This is commanded. This is not to make me feel happy and good and jolly. It may do that. But it's for the glory that God wants to get out of us because the only glory he is going to get out of us is the glory he puts into us. And therefore, to fill us with his Spirit means he gets more glory back out of us. Uh, like our Lord Jesus prayed, Now, Father, glorify the Son in his last great prayer in, Acts, in uh, John 17. Now, Father, glorify the Son that the Son may glorify you. The glory you put in me, Father, will be the glory you get back out of me. So into this human vessel called you, into the, the diversity of personalities and temperaments and giftings, natural and spiritual, God wants to put his fullness of life and spirit so that it's like, a, if I put it this way, three-way switch, <laughs> you, Put the light on, light shines. But you know, pop it again, more light shines. Pop it again, more light shines. And after you're filled initially, you can be more filled after that. But the light comes more and more through that lampshade. And every one of you are your own, are a different kind of a lampshade. But the light is the same that comes out of you in Christ. And as that increases and enhances, the shades and the colors and the beauty of the lampshades are seen more vividly. And that's how it is. Christ said, I'm the light of the world. Then he turns and says, you're the light of the world. That's right. Because the light came in to make you a light. And when that light comes in, who is Christ? And when you're filled, the light goes on brighter. 
and His giftings, His Spirit, His life comes through more keenly, more abundantly. That's why. Here we go. Next one, please. Why then was the ministry of Peter and John essential? Why are they sending these people up? Now, I could say off to one side that Philip was a wise enough man to know that we don't need the first church of Samaria up here and the first church of Jerusalem down here. And we're going to have two right off the bat problems with two kinds of Christian churches, the Samaritans and the Jews. And so they, he, the, wisely, the Lord oversees, and apostles come up from Jerusalem who are the founding fathers so that the Samaritans are also under the cover, love, and wing of the mother church, which is Jerusalem, with the 12 apostles. We don't need something off here. They could be under the same leadership and apostolic guidance. That's off to one side, but important one side. That's not my point of emphasis. I touch on it in going through. Why then was, were they coming up here? Because they'd been saved under Philip, and here they were here, saved under Philip's ministry, received the Spirit of God in his, in his incoming initial witness, but over here, up, a few weeks later, filled under Peter and John. Now, you remember with Paul, he was saved here, and three days later, he was filled with the Holy Ghost under the ministry of Ananias. With the Samaritans, you're going to find the longest, quote, wait, maybe a few weeks. How long does it take for the word to get from Samaria, uh, what, 50, 70 miles, I don't know, down to Jerusalem, and for them to travel back up? At the most, a few weeks, all right, because it was spread like wildfire. Have you heard about Samaria? Samaria, they never could be saved. Oh, yes, they are. Wow. Boom. Here we go. So the maxim in the New Testament between the time a person is saved and the time a person is filled as you're looking at it right now. Max a few weeks. If you want to put a month in, I'll give you a month. Maybe you tell me. All I know, it's not nine years. I know I was uh, saved when I was 19 and filled the Holy Ghost about nine years later. That's not the best that God has for his people. I just didn't know. I didn't have the opportunity. I wasn't around people that would tell me about this, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's nine years for me. And I'm, uh, Timothy, I'm looking for that glass of water. Where is it, sir? In the port. Thank you. All right. It's an undercover job. All righty. Dry preachers need wet water. Now. The people don't. Now, I'm asking you a question. When were you saved? Oh, it's dear old brother so-and-so. My Sunday school teacher, she prayed for me. I met this guy in the military. I was working out in the gym, and I got to know this guy. I had a heartache, and I went to a pastor, etc., etc., etc. I gave myself to Christ, and that was the beginning X years ago. Praise the Lord, from whom all blessings flow. Second question, have you been filled with the Spirit yet? Now, I tell you, if you ask me that question, when I was 28, I'd have to say no. Once I knew what they were talking about, I'd have to say no. Not in condemnation, just in interrogation. And the good news is, if you were saved yesterday, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost today. If you were saved 20 years ago, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost today, provided that's where you want to happen to you. God is not going to kidnap anybody. So, you know, you can't, if you're here this morning nervous, you couldn't be any more nervous than I was hearing about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because that, in my mind, was for people that were suspect 
and probably emotionally unstable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the Lord let me start in from there so I could feel how you feel coming through your doubts, fears, and questions. And it was about, uh, what, uh, a solid year before I got all the questions out of my mind. You're not going to have that problem because you didn't have my problem. But I want to say the good news is that. Now, you'll notice that when they were filled, this man Simon says, Hey, I give you money. You show me how when I lay hands on people, they too will be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter says, your money perish with you. You're not even there yet. God have mercy on you. Pray for me. This won't happen to me. He's a sidelight. Okay. Now, I want to show you something else. How are you going to know when you're filled with the Spirit? The same Spirit that tells you that you're saved tells you that you're filled. He does not get laryngitis. And we have not much teaching, need some more, on the witness of the Spirit. John Wesley did a good job on it. That every child of God has the life of Christ come into him, and we have peace that is done. We believe the external evidence, which is the Word of God, that the, Spirit, the Word of God says that he that believes has the witness in himself, 1 John 5.10. Galatians 4, he has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, whereby we can say, Father, and it rings true in here. How many years we all rattled through the Lord's Prayer, we might just as well have said Mickey Mouse. Because we, though we were respectful, it had no bearing to us. For, back in the days right after the Civil War when I was in grammar school, they still said the Lord's Prayer in the morning in school. School, no one died, no one curled up and floated away, nobody had a cardiac arrest. We just rattled through the Lord's Prayer, but we still said it as a class. The teacher led it, heavens to Betsy. Call the ACLU. <laughs> True. But it didn't mean much to me. Just rather through. But when you say it, you say, Father, it rings true. No, that's true, all right? That being the case, and I lost my point, got carried away. <laughs> At that point, probably need to be lost. Okay, second point. How do we know? There we are. How do we know the Spirit of God bears witness that you're there? He gives you being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Our consciousness of sin is not there anymore. We're sensed that we're, we're forgiven. Now, you, some people have a little struggle going through this, but I'm saying the end result is that's what happens. He lets us know on the inside that we've been filled. And He's not going to creep up and capture you. He's not going to kidnap anybody. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a dove, not a vulture. They're going to swoop down and rip you. In fact, you're going to find out you're probably... You're probably going to find out you want to make sure that the Holy Spirit may check you out to make sure you really want him around. The Holy Spirit's not going around grabbing people that don't want him around. Holy Spirit, thou welcome in this place. Some places he isn't. Don't tell me. I've been there. Holy Spirit in the box, we welcome you. That's the lot of places. Holy Spirit in the box, come here. But if you get outside the box, we're out of here. Whoop, here we go. So don't think the Holy Ghost is just going to grab you and shake you and say, I'm coming in regardless. It doesn't happen that way. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It does not say they shall be saved. That's the first beatitude. The fourth beatitude is, blessed are they which who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The kids come in and say, I'm starving. I say, I'm starving. My mother says, you're not starving, you're hungry. There's a difference between starving and being hungry. Kids come in, I'm starving. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. One good thing about the younger generation is they drink a lot of water. Keep it up. Good. Keep away from those coffee nuts. And also those pop nuts. Keep with the water. You're laughing. My dentist told me a month ago 
that he is making, I fell out of the chair almost, making false teeth for 21-year-old college students, top and bottom, upper plate and lower plate, because they drank too much pop. Have fun, Toothy. You better know a lot, you better know a lot of tooth fairies, because you're going to need them. Now, God can do a lot of things when he fills you. It can be as quiet as the sunset. It can be as quiet as the sunset. Quiet as a... All right. He who sits in the front row sits in a dangerous place. Stand up. I'll let you go. Stand. All right. Now, nothing big, nothing dramatic. Face this wonderful congregation. Okay. Here we go. Back here. Now, put your hand out. One, just that's fine. Close your eyes. I'm not going to hit you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anything happen? Yeah. Did you see anything happen? Yeah. How do you know something happened? Yeah. All right. All I did was, you can't see over here. Do it for this side over here, okay? <laughs> you people are getting the wings. Come early so you can see what's going on up here. <laughs> All right. Close your eyes. Okay. Jennifer, say, say. Anything happen? Did you see it? No. How do you know what happened? Because I felt it. All right. She said, I felt it. In this case, her emotions are correct. She felt something. Now, it can be as simple as that. But you know one thing? She knew somebody touched her. True? True. No doubt. No doubt. It wasn't very dramatic. No. You didn't shake. No. You didn't fall over. No. Your glasses <laughs> stayed in place. Yeah. All right. Now, put your hand up. Close your eyes. What happened? You slapped me. Yeah. <laughs> And that even hurt me. You got a ring on. I didn't see that. <laughs> Talk about revenge already. That was unkind, but I shouldn't hit you that hard. I was just trying to make it more dramatic. Okay. Now, something happened to you? Yes. Didn't see it? Yes. But you know it. Yes. All right. Big hand for her. Thank you. Uh, God can do what he wants. And uh, they're in the Bible, which is a good place to go. And uh, I'm going to lose my... Here it is right here. I want now, please, if you put up the biblical evidences of being filled. Oh, what can happen when one is filled, all right? And that will be number, number one, you got it. The evidence of being filled. It'll be in there. Meanwhile, we'll, we'll start going through them. So, when we come to the evidence of the New Testament, I'm being fooled, we look and see what happened when people were filled. Different things happen, all right? And you'll have it in just a minute on evidences. Here we go. Uh, number one, in Acts 2, it said, that, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and get my, here we go. They were, Acts 2, they were filled with the Holy, Sp Holy Spirit, and all spoke in tongues or languages as the Lord gave them uh, that gift. So, Someone could be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues when they're filled. Now, don't think he's going to turn you into a babbling idiot by next Thursday. We don't give people lessons on how to speak in tongues. And I've been in places where they're going to teach you how to speak in tongues. Yep. They all spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave it to them, not as you gave me lessons. All right? Well-meaning people try to do this. And sometimes people did. But that's not the preferred method, all right? Now, second one, 
in Acts 4.31, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke God's word with boldness. Now their witness life came up a notch. Two notches. Three notches. Now obviously, they weren't preaching right there in that meeting when it, they were filled with the Holy Ghost in that house, and the house shook, and the, oh, the Lord shook the whole house. But in the days following, when they went out on the street, when they went to work, they started to share the word of God and the Lord Jesus more boldly. It was more natural to them. And one of the soonest, quickest things you're going to find in your life is a new readiness and a new courage to share Christ with somebody. Maybe not a whole lot. Maybe say, listen, God bless you. I'll pray for you. For some people to say that to another person on the job might be a gigantic, giant step for them. You're going to find an increased ease and willingness and desire to share the Lord because this, that's another evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. All right, third one. We're talking now with Philip's ministry in the very message we mentioned this morning, Acts 8, 17. No evidence is given there, though we're going to find three or four more in the rest of the book of Acts. How come there's not something specific here? Because God says, I'm not going to tell you everything I can do when I meet somebody in fullness. There's too many things I could put down there. Just understand that I met them, they got filled, and something happened. Well, did they prophesy? I don't know. Did they speak in tongues? I don't know. Did they fall over under the power? I don't know. Did they have holy laughter? I don't know. I don't have to know. I got enough that I do know. Leave God some room. This is his outside-the-box stuff. He can do what he wants. All I know is the people got filled know. And that's all that needs to really be concerning, okay? So, don't worry about God making you an idiot. He's not going to do that. He, God, the Lord Jesus is a gentleman. But if someone comes to me and says, I'll tell you, Pastor, oh, I really want to be filled with the Spirit. But just one thing. I said, okay, what's that? I, I want to be filled with the Spirit, but I don't want to speak in tongues. Hold it. I don't care if you told me you don't want to do anything. You, this time you said tongues. You might have said go to Africa. You might have said work over there. When we come to the Lord Jesus to be filled with the Spirit, one sentence that leaves our vocabulary is, fill me, Lord, but don't fill in the blanks. That goes out the window, folks. You're, you're trying to direct God. You're trying to tell God how to fill you. Give me a break. That's not the Bible, and it's not the Lord Jesus. I know you're fearful, maybe. Maybe you're this and that. Okay. You say, Lord, you know, I, Lord, I'm so, this is so strange and new to me. I don't know what. Please don't. He'll probably say, Lord, fine. Let's settle this. Am I in charge or not? Do I love you enough? Listen. Being filled with the Spirit is a Calvary purchase. Being filled with the Spirit is a Calvary purchase. Well, you, you think he went to Christ, Christ went to the cross and died for my sins, and he did. But when Christ went to the cross and died for your sins, he also died for everything that his redemption could purchase and receive from the Father. He hath ascended to the Father's right hand and poured forth that which you now see and hear, which was the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So you had no problem believing Christ died for you on the cross and dying for your sins, and you received him as your Lord and Savior, sins forgiven, gift of eternal life, wages of sin is death, gift of eternal life is free through God. Absolutely. I want to encourage you that when he died on the cross and ascended, he also purchased for you, you, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
It's not something we're going to get some points for if we can work real hard. And this is for eager beavers who finally got enough points and God said, you're a good boy. Pat your head and fill you with the Holy Ghost. This is a Calvary purchase for every child of God appropriated in the same way from the Lord Jesus as your forgiveness was. Now, one more thing and I'm done. And uh, if you, we'll pick up next week. So if you'll please put up, Brother Brian, and I want to thank Brian again for all his help on my PowerPoint. Put up the steps to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want you to find out where you are today. Okay? Here we go. Down here. All right. Do you know that you're saved? Is Christ your Lord and Master? And you're not perfect in all you're doing. I don't mean that, but you have committed yourself to the Lordship of our Lord Savior, believed His love, come into His family. You've seen changes in your life. Others have too. And you want to please Him. The prevailing desire of your life is to want to please Him and serve Him the way He shows you. That's, you got that settled. He's in charge. You're not. That's okay with you. That's what conversion is. All right? All right. To be saved, number one, I mean to be filled, you start right here. Number two, do you see it in the Word of God? Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Be filled with the Spirit. And so you see it in the Word, and it won't, if you don't see it in the Word, and that's why I'm pounding this, if Dr. So-and-so's book against this still bothers you, you need to get back in here. You've got to get to the point where Jimmy and Aunt Susie and Grandma and Dr. Ph.D., which stands for Post Hole Digger, is against it. And... And I'm not against education. I think everyone should have a little bit of it. And I've got about as little as anybody, so that's okay. Now, you've got to get to the point where it doesn't bother you anymore. It might take you a month, a year, a week. I don't know. But you have to get back everybody's opinions that you're going to be a nut or whatever if you go this route. And I had hoops to go through. I understand that. All I'm saying is I couldn't get anywhere. You certainly aren't going to come to faith until I reach that point. But I know I was on the way to faith by dealing with it. And so are you. So be encouraged. Come on along. If you don't have the problem, don't listen to me. I don't want to create problems that you don't have. But do you see it in the Word of God? Not because Murdoch preached on it or Pastor Mike or Emmanuel or whoever. It's in the book. And it makes no difference who believes it. If Murdoch changes his mind tomorrow, it's still in the book. Amen? Got that one, right? All right. See it in the Word. Number three. You see it's for you. This is the hardest thing I dealt with on my way to being filled. I could not believe that God would have filled me. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not David Livingston. I'm out in a little church in the country with 40 people. Now, why in the world would God fill some little guy, uh, not drive behind his ears yet, out in the country pastoring a little church? I couldn't. I thought, this is for the big guys. I'm just a little guy. What am I doing out here? And so when it says, be filled, it really says, be ye filled. And I was a ye. I find so I'm a ye. I'm a you. Be you filled. Then if you're a you, you're qualified. Did you know why? Do you know why the ram was so sad? He heard that song, There'll Never Be Another You. <laughs> I feel sheepish telling you that, but it's all right. <laughs> be you, Phil. When finally I got the you part, I thought, hey, this involves me. Out in the country with 40 people. Be encouraged. Say, well, I'm only a teenager. God bless you. Beat me by 10 years, will you? This is for you. Christ died for you. Yeah, he died that you might be filled. Number three, four, rather. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
Blessed are they which God's not going to kidnap anybody. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, not saved. That's the first beatitude. Blessed the poor in spirit, theirs of the kingdom of God. All right? And lastly, do you have faith for it? Now, I'm going to leave it right there because I'm way over time, but that's part of the problem having me come in here. And so, having faith for it, uh, we'll talk about that next week, but where are you on this? Where Everybody in this room is on one of these steps. Now, maybe they had faith been filled and gone on to here. Praise God, you're up in here somewhere. Now, have faith for it is simply this, and I'm going to quit. I really am, because we'll pick up next week. It's, it's, it's this way. I know, for instance, I, you can tell me the top step. I know that when I ask the Lord Jesus to fill me with his spirit now, I know, not wish, think, or hope. I know he will fill me now, and I know he will. That's faith to receive it. If you're on the way there, bless you. Keep going. You're on the way to, say, you're on the way to faith. Keep going. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this people. Thank you for this word. Thank you for your precious, faithful, ministering Holy Spirit to wherever we are, who we are, when we are. And take us on, Lord, from grace to grace. Bring many from the word of God to see what you have for them, and they prepare to be filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, amen. I will be in room 103 or 104, whatever it is, after the service. If you have any questions, you'd like to meet with me, I'd be glad to spend as much time as I can and you want there. Thank you, and Brother Sean. Let's stand together as we dismiss and just sing this chorus one more time, shall we? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. me more